coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. Season Appalachian magic and conjure work, a lot of them were called charms, mm-hmm. but also they had what you called tricks. And tricks were specifically almost like magical traps you'd set for people. You would bury things under the ground where someone's gonna walk. You would you know, put things in people's clothes, above doorways, things like that. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Mountain conjure. Hot foot powder, which is used to make folks leave you alone or even leave town. So what, what did you do with the hot foot powder? You put it on your feet? You put it on the person's feet you didn't like? You know, that's a good question. I mean, it definitely sounds like it would work if you put mashed up spiders and hot peppers in someone's shoes. I'd leave. I'd be like, I'm not staying with you anymore, weirdo. <laughs> you could have asked me to go. You could have asked me to leave. Hot foot powder. I like it. Hot foot powder. Hot foot powder. Hot foot powder. Hot foot powder. The sight. Isn't that a cool term? I like dreams true. I just mentioned the sight because I think it's used in different cultures, but Appalachia, it's a gift by God. You're born with it. Did you guys ever see the sixth sense? No, I've never heard of that. Yeah, What's that, John? It's a pretty good movie. Does he see dead people? Bruce Willis. It's a movie about <laughs> Bruce Willis. It's a great film. Yeah, he has the sight. That's true. He doesn't know it. Spoiler alert. If you don't, haven't seen that movie, then you shouldn't watch it because it's too late. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So there's many traditions in Appalachia that involve devil folklore. You have Devil's Looking Glass, Devil's Run. We're going to talk about, yeah, this was called Devil's Run for the Irish, Scottish, Germanic settlers. But the natives there, they knew this place. The Cherokee referred to it as Blackwater because they also knew it as a dangerous, dark kind of place that had its own lore. So whether it's the devil, whether it's a spiritual darkness, it's some kind of negative area. You often find these tie-ins with different cultures in the same geographical location, which may mean there's something to it. Just be grateful for your life every day, you know? You know, you wake up every day and sometimes- Don't end this on a downer, don't you dare. No, it's a positive. It's positive. Like I say, you never know. Every day is a gift. Yeah, you wake up every day, you never know if you're gonna wake up. Don't forget that you can always hop on down to Appalachia, catch a train, make yourself some charms, and feel better. Weird flex, but okay. Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole, I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door, in. Jeremy, close your door! What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Corey Feldman, Magicians are Demons, Specters, Spirits, Sleep, Paralysis, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes. Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Yeah. Well, hello, hello. We're back. We are back for season three. <laughs> that but was kind of good. Maybe we should change the song or not. Oh, no way. Right when you were like killing it. With should your we just not? Shananas. I think we should keep it. It's our, it's our song. It's not our song. We didn't make it. Yeah, we did. No. Oh, we, that one. Yeah. You're right. Not that one. We'd keep the montage, but I, I kind of wanted to change the new intro song. Maybe it should just stay. You mean the yeah. song that rolls into the episode? Yeah, I guess. What it, do you guys think out there in listener land? It's neither here nor there. No, but we are here and you are there. My <laughs> name's John. What's your name? Uh, my name's Chris. Hi, brother John. And your name is, sir, in the corner? I'm Jeremy. Yes. And we are back with a brand new edition. We are three equal parts of the whole. In the flesh. 
Yes. And we are so glad to be back with you guys. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yes. Too long. It's been a long time. We did do a couple live streams though, which uh, if you are interested in sign up to be a patron, we have those streaming for you. Mm-hmm. But we have missed you all and uh, missed doing the show, missed doing the, the regular yeah. episodes. Deep research, the uh, expansion punches with all the sound design and the skits and everything. It's been, uh, it's been an important break to take because we did a lot of work in the back end. But yeah, I'm excited to get back on the trail and hit up Appalachia for some magic. <laughs> And monsters. Way to bring it into the episode, Chris. And mystery. That was, okay, really cheesy. I'm <laughs> sorry. Really cheesy I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this episode. This is going to be fun. Actually, we had someone write in asking for, uh, and I kind of misread his email, Matt. He was asking for uh, Ozark magic. Ozark. Which is Appalachian magic, a version of, a child version of the Appalachian magic is, is in the Ozarks. Because that's not in the Appalachian, uh, Appalachia, right? Isn't right. that what they call it? That's, I read online that if you are not from Appalachia, they'll know because you say Appalachia. True. Yes. So be careful, John. Okay. <laughs> John is reading his good and gather can. Sorry. It's not good. Oh, that's again. right. It's Zevia. Different can. Would you find something See, interesting on that can? This is more interesting than the episode. <laughs> I just wanted to know what <laughs> I was drinking. Ingredients of Zevia. <laughs> I just wanted to know what it was. Okay. Okay. Sorry. It's a leaf, John. I'm going to make sure I wasn't allergic. I'm excited about this episode because Appalachia is a really interesting region I've never really thought too much about before. Specifically, And what's really fascinating about this that I guess the reason Matt wrote in, even though he's talking about the Ozarks, but different areas seem to have like a different kind of cultural folkloric makeup. But in this sense, today we're going to be talking about the makeup of the magic in different areas. There's like a, specifically Appalachia, yeah. Yeah, there's like a roots, like an earth magic, like a practical kind of magic that different areas of the country utilize. But they all employ like the same kind of outcomes, but they use different kind of ingredients, tactics. uh, Right. We talked a little bit about when we did our New Orleans episode in the expansion. Yeah. um, We talked a lot about voodoo and hoodoo and New Orleans practitioners of magic and witchcraft. Um, And this is different, but it is interesting because Appalachia has an amalgamation of all these different cultures coming together. And each of these cultures bring their own sort of magic from their, you know, home countries. Right. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to get into. That's going to be fun because we're going to get into Haints, which we talked about. Where is this exactly? So Appalachia, probably a good thing to I put say. this in the notes. This will be in the show notes, guys, too. There's an, I have an actual map because, yeah, it is kind of a, in my brain, it was a loosely defined area. And that there is some contention about this, but the it's generally the mountainous region of the Appalachian Mountains or the Appalachian Mountains, however you want to say it. So it would be like uh, the northern part of Alabama, Mississippi, up through Georgia, South Carolina, and then basically stretching through the states all the way up into southern New York, Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia. You got some Ohio. You know, it's interesting, John, is... Uh, we are a stone's throw from Appalachia, technically. Now, this is the area that's in contention, I guess, even though we're in what they call flatland, and Appalachia is usually around the Appalachian Mountains for like the mountain folk or mountain people. Um, Youngstown, right? Mm-hmm. Technically, that's northern Appalachia. There's like a whole movement that's trying to push at the Appalachian region more north in the flatlands because there was like a big migration post-World War II, 1940s to 70s, where a bunch of people immigrated from the Appalachians for jobs from the steel industry steel, yeah. in Youngstown and stuff. And uh, there was a lot of you know, there were issues like people coming up from West Virginia. I guess locals around here would call them snakes. That was like the, uh, what do you call that? Oh, the, yeah, the derogatory term. Yes, derogatory term for uh, Appalachians coming up north, taking the jobs, you know. Snakes. Oh boy. Snakes. Not the worst in salt, but definitely not the best. But apparently they were good enough people. They uh, mixed in and now they, we had a lot here. And apparently we are technically like right we're close. next door. But the magic we're talking about focuses mostly in the southern part of Appalachia. So in, in like the hills? Yeah. And well, it's all hills. That's what kind of ties everything all the way up to Maine and New York down to Alabama and Mississippi is the mountain range. That's what keeps it Appalachia. Yeah. But I didn't know it was that far. I didn't know New York. I just thought 
more the southern states, but I guess most of the magic I think is centered, you know, once you start getting up to like Pennsylvania, Ohio, those areas, I think it the magic seems to uh, <laughs> magic not as practice as much, the practical well, magic. It's more within the mountains, within the, the hills and the hollers and yeah. um yeah. The hills are alive with the sound magic. of magic. There it is. <laughs> it's well done, John. You missed your calling, John. Broadway was yeah. just up the road. I'm coming. <laughs> it's never too late to start. <laughs> it's never too late. Um, what's cool about the Appalachia culture is that you have all these people. So you have people coming from Scandinavia and, you know, Western Europe, mostly Scottish and Irish influence coming down. Yeah. Bringing that Celtic magic. Kind right. Of. And then you have the, that butting up against or meshing with the cultures that were there at the time, the Cherokee, the Creek, mm-hmm. a couple other Native American tribes. Indigenous magic. Indigenous people. You had influences from the slave trade, ex-slaves, slave masters in the area. Like bad magic. You had all this kind of coming together. Oh, and also it's known as the buckle of the Bible belt because there's so much, um, I don't want to say fundamentalist Christianity, but definitely like a Baptist sort of thing. Kind of reminds me of New Orleans. Very much so, yeah. yeah. Just like New Orleans a was, lot of things coming together in one yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. And New Orleans was also influenced a lot by Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And then with the, the slave trade and the magic coming in from Africa and mm-hmm. other areas in Jamaica. Yeah. I, I think what separates Appalachia and the forming of their sort of magic culture there is that, and you know, I'm not an expert on this, but from what I've been reading, and by the way, excellent book I want to mention here. Oh yeah, really good book. Backwoods Witchcraft, Conjure and Folk Magic from Appalachia by Jake Richards is uh, fantastic. Hard to actually use for the show because every chapter was full of really interesting information. So I try to break it down as much as possible. But one of the things that separates New Orleans sort of magic with Appalachia magic is Appalachia had this culture that was kind of secluded from the rest of society. Right. You're, it was hard to get to these places. So you had generations of people that were taking their languages from Europe and stuff and forming new languages based on you know local contact with tribes and things like that. You had all these different religions and cultures meeting together that was isolated. So it sort of developed its own sort of magic, which we're going to get into some really interesting stuff. Mountain conjure. Mountain conjure is one of the terms people use for Appalachia magic. Yeah. It's very unique. But it is. I love like the image in my mind of Appalachia and that, I don't know. I, see, we've been there driving through West Virginia and some Kentucky and Pennsylvania. And the, there's like a darkness there. Not not like evil, but just because of the the oh, landscape, yeah. you have your you know sunsets so early because you're down in the the gullies and the hollers. Yeah, it's a very mysterious feeling place. And if you go down to like North Carolina, right? The so the Blue Ridge Mountains, John. That's right outside of Asheville. Where mm-hmm. I think you, you might have you been there, Asheville? Mm-mm. Cool town. It's a beautiful area, but uh, there are all these pockets. You know, within the Appalachians, there are like sub regions, like the the Blue Ridge Mountains or the Smoky Mountains. I'm not sure if those overlap or not, but all these different areas and they have different kinds of uh, color and topography. Um, but it all has that feeling of just like, I think because of these old foothill, you know, these kind of worn mountains. Yeah. There. Well, it's one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world. 1.2 billion years old mm-hmm. or something like that. Well, some people the say. science to say. Some people say 480 million. But uh, I think it's 6,000. Interesting anecdote before we get into this, but up, but up. into some of the text and the magic stuff. The mountain range that goes through Appalachia is the same mountain range that goes through Europe, where a lot of these people migrated from. And people say maybe that's why they were so comfortable in this area because it's the exact, it just goes underwater. Explain for, that. You know, hundreds of miles. Where specifically are you talking about? Um, Ireland, Scotland. That mountain range there runs through Appalachia here. It just goes underwater for a period huh. of time. Really? Interesting. There are mountains yeah. in Ireland? It used to be, the Appalachian Mountains used to be uh, as tall as the Rockies. Just over years and years it eroded. But they used to connect. Oh, okay. Pangea stuff, all that kind of stuff. I didn't get super into that, but. Is it possible that the people that are are there now, the Appalachians, were, were actually there before Pangea? No. Separated? I mean, not in this case. Although there is a story yeah. of uh, the Moon-Eyed people 
yeah. that the Cherokee talk about. I believe it was the Cherokee in this area. Who They said when they moved into the valley in Appalachia, in their region of Appalachia, they came across fair-skinned, light-haired people with gray eyes that uh, only did things at night. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I think the, the common academic theory is that it was some wayward group from Scotland or something that had you know, accidentally or intentionally immigrated to the North American continent years before Columbus, things yeah, like that. Got lost and then started only, uh, well, they were only out at night, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Clopex. Right. So <laughs> yes. it just makes me think of, um, could these fair-haired, gray-eyed people, were they tall? Did they say anything about their physical uh, I'm not sure. Could they have been um, from the inner earth? You know, we hear the stories about Shambhala and the Nazis famously mm. looking for that, you know, old Aryan... Oh, the Atlantean race or Atlantean whatever. race of people Maybe like living below the earth. The last vestiges. Because there are, in Appalachia, there are the, a fair amount of cave systems from what I understand. in the Mammoth Cave, which is like, I think that's the largest, isn't mm-hmm. it? Un- and unexplored and dangerous to explore, actually, because it's so cavernous. Uh, and people suggested that there might be entrances to the inner earth. Yeah. So, potentially. Well, now that we set the stage, do you guys want to get into some, some of the magic? Yeah. the mystery? I'd like to hear about some magic. All right. And then later, coming up, depending on how much we can get through of the magic and everything, there are also mysteries and monsters in Appalachia. Yeah. Some of that may spill over into the expansion, but there's a lot of fascinating stuff. It's such a wide area. Yeah, impossible to cover all in one episode, for sure. You could do, you know, a series on Appalachia. Yeah, for sure. But we're going to try to cram it all into one episode. So yeah, we're going to talk about Haints. Conjure work and backwoods witchcraft, like we mentioned. Maybe some down home dogmen. We have time. Some what? Down home dogmen. What does that mean? Down home. A lame alliteration. I That's mean very it. lame. Um, how about devilish dogmen? Right? Devilish dogmen. Sure. Say it. Devilish dogmen. The reason I say that is because there's a lot of devilry there's a lot in of devilry. Appalachia. Gosh darn it. Mm-hmm. I was so about researching. Doggone dogmen. Okay, that's really good, <laughs> Papa John. Stop it. Dad jokes. Um, but no, yeah, there's a lot of devilry. Dad so gum, with dog the, man. <laughs> dad that, gum. That dad gun dog man. I like that. that could be Isn't a cartoon. That dog man coming back here. <laughs> the boom Barking and snorting, shooting my shit. Sheep. Eat them. <laughs> good input. <laughs> I like that. Actually, John, I'm going to need you to do an accent okay, for the read, but not that one. Oh, I want to hear your... Real good one. The real good one. Real good the reason I said devilish dogma is because there's a lot of devilry in Appalachia. There are devil monkeys that we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. You have a, a big influence from biblical texts there too, what? for sure. Devil monkeys? No, no, no. I mean in Appalachia. Oh, yeah. But a lot of like just devil type things. Right. You got the devil's uh, looking glass. You got devil's run. Mm-hmm. You got devil's jump. Mm-hmm. But beyond, and you have connections to missing four and one. Deviled eggs. All these people that seem to go missing around areas that are called devil something. Yeah. Probably because there's an association with dark things happening. Well, that's a global phenomenon, right? Yeah. Well, at least national. Mm-hmm. You know, wherever there's English spoken and the word devil is used. Um, but, Keep on connecting. But anyways, you may have heard of things, like we've talked about the Snallygaster in this area, Dwyo, uh, Yahoo, which is like an angry, smaller version of the Bigfoot. Um, there's little people, of course. Um, and some of the European influence may have brought that in, or, but also the Cherokee already had these little people, so what's the connection there? Mm-hmm. Are they real? Uh, then, of course, the Kelly Hopkinsville goblin encounter. Oh, right, yeah. Not getting into that. Today. And the Flatwoods Monster and Mothman. All these things happen right. in the Appalachians. Yeah. So Appalachia. Appalachia. But we are focusing on the magic today. Yes. Some of the mystery, some of the monsters, and then in the expansion, we will get a little crazy, a little wilder in the Appalachian wilderness. Cool. Shall we open up the magic book? Yes, Chris, open your magic grimoire. 
Y'all ready? So we're going to talk about Appalachian magic and conjure work. And uh, we're going to quote a lot from Richard's book, Backwoods Witchcraft, Conjure, and Folk Magic from Appalachia. John, will you begin? And would you use your incredible uh, stylings and your vocal talent? All right. Most folks have heard of the hoodoo and folk magic practiced in Louisiana, Texas, and other ways out west. But ours is rarely spoken of, if at all remembered. The witchcraft of these hills is a culmination of the practices of different tribes and peoples who settled in these mountains long ago. People who just mixed into the roots and rocks of the hillside and called it home. Our people are a mixed breed of the Irish, Scottish, German, and other settlers who came to call these hills home. This mixture includes the folk practices brought up through the slave trade and the practices learned by the neighboring indigenous tribes of the Cherokee, Creek, Shawnee, and Delaware. This craft speaks as a remnant of our deep roots and a testimony of Appalachian life. So that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Good read, John. Oh yeah, and I wanted you to read it just because when I was reading this book, I just kept hearing that voice that you used to do. I know it's not completely accurate to the to the region, the dialect in the region, but I just I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I like this, you know, that combination of the magic and stuff. And it's interesting because later on in the book, he talks about how uh, when we'll get to the part about working with ancestors or working with the dead to do magic. Uh-huh. And um, it's, it's, it's complicated because you utilize uh, people who have died, but they're not all good people. And mm-hmm. you learn a lot as you're doing it. And, you know, he says, and it's just an example of sort of the cultural mishmash in that area. But he said he has ancestors who were slaves, ancestors who were slave owners, ancestors who were Native Americans, and then Indian killers, like all growing roots back out from his uh, family tree. Oh, right. So he's, yeah, he's come from all those different aspects. Yeah. All those different uh, bloodlines even. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So he has a unique perspective, yeah. So he goes on to say that the haulers of North Carolina, the valleys of Virginia, and the mountains of Tennessee have been witness to a system of witchcraft unique among its sister traditions of the Deep South, like we kind of talked about, New Orleans, and Cold North, as well as its child tradition of the Ozarks. This craft has been passed down through whispers over biscuits in the kitchen and smelled in the chimney smoke carried up the mountainside. It's work and a way of life. So this is something I wanted to mention too. So they refer to it as the work, right? Right, that's what we're doing work. Right, yeah. Um, And it's interesting because it's deeply biblical. Yeah, right? that plays a huge part. That's what really interesting. It seems like they use prayer or they use verses, scripture, as kind of a, a lot of times as a... Um, a framework for, I wouldn't say a spell, but almost the, like an incantation. The work, yeah. Like, and it seems like it's it was a practical tool in hard times. Yeah. Like, say to you know, for instance, the very common example of like the horseshoe above the door for good mm-hmm. luck, right? Anything iron, that kind of idea. Yeah. It seemed like it wasn't thought of as like a spell or a witchcraft kind of like evil or you know to do. Like there were there were aspects of that, right? You could go bad. Like I remember reading something about the uh, if you wanted to be make a deal with the devil, for instance, right? Or, right? or do something to walk that kind of darker path with the witchcraft. You would have to recite the, what was the Lord's Prayer backwards? Oh yeah, like midnight at a graveyard or right. shoot a Bible with a silver bolt. I mean, there's <laughs> right. some you know interesting things out there. But it seems like it's deeply connected with the Bible, whether you're doing the positive work or, right. the, or the negative. It still um, recognizes the Bible as kind of the foundation and the existence of you know that yeah, religion. And, and he talks about that when he's, he talks about the names, like we kind of talked about names for it, like Hill Folks Hoodoo or Mountain Conjure, uh, but he said it's all the same. Those who knew these ways were called healers, tellers of tales, power doctors, and conjure folk, and yarb doctors by the Christian folk. So yarb doctors 
are more the term that Christians in the area used when they wanted to access their help. Right. Because it was, you know, you're, then you're not a witch, you're a yarb doctor. You yarb use herbs, doctor. herbs and, and you use blessings and things like that. The other interesting thing about this sort of magic is it's not so much to gain an upper hand on, uh, an uneven upper hand on your reality and the people around you. It's more of foreseeing a little bit ahead in the future and trying to kind of balance your own scales to get a slight advantage to, you know, determine things, kind of forecasting. Right. Like that's a big part of it. So if some, someone slighted you, you could do some kind of conjure or work to negatively fight back, I guess, To but it would have to be commensurate with the bad that was done to yeah. you. And if you did more, then the scales would be imbalanced and that would come yeah. back against you, There's right? There's a thing about balancing the scales. So like, like eye for an eye. Yeah, and he says, you know, being influenced by Christianity may lead some to presume there's no harm done in this work. Far from it. Appalachian folk magic doesn't follow the Wiccan rule of three or the popular concept of karma, which are both sort of balancing. Um, it goes by the biblical guidance, quote, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Any kind of curse or retaliation must be justified, and the punishment must fit the crime. If not, the scales will tip back on you since you created a larger imbalance than they. If the work is justified and fits the crime, the target can't get it removed until the spirits deem it over. And so I like that there is this sort of, you know, unlike, you know, you hear about some forms of, you know, witchcraft. Like left-hand path kind of. Right, where like you, you know, you sell your soul for this power mm -hmm. that's that's uneven that's uh unnatural right you know unlike that sort of thing this is more of yeah you know, it's always got to stay in balance or you know it comes back on you which right. is like the wiccan rule of three it comes back three times harder on you if you do something that's unbalanced in nature to someone else right right john yes that's <laughs> that's right cool don't do it or it comes back on you right i wish politicians lived up to that rule <laughs> don't we seriously all? They do. They're doing it every day, Don't you talk about don't it? You, don't you believe they're doing their best for you? Yes. Good. We're settled. We've settled it. <laughs> <laughs> talk about witchcraft. Good people. Talk about, good people. Good Too people. funny. Too funny. Too funny. That was our mom. Yeah. Growing up, she always used to go. Too funny. Speaking of ancestors and weird talk, John, I need your voice back. Let me round her up. So Jake, the author of this book, he has an intense connection to this work because it's been work that's been done in his family for generations. Mm -hmm. A lot of his family has been gifted with certain abilities. This is interesting, yeah. So uh, John, why don't you tell us about Jake's family? Absolutely. Uh, Jake's lineage. <laughs> you don't have to read the titles. Read by JDP. <laughs> read by JDP. All right, ready? Do it. My family's history is filled with this work. Papa Oscar was a water witch. Papa Trivet never met his daddy, so he could cure thrush, stop blood, and blow out burns. Mama's seventh daughter, a natural-born healer. Nana has the sight and dreams true, and the list goes on. Most of the knowledge of these hills has been lost to the oppressions of time and poverty. Before this knowledge was known only by memory, and now the elders are quickly passing or forgetting. My mother's mother, has forgotten due to Alzheimer's, but she still sees. Young folks are walking around not knowing they have some of these gifts. We need a new generation to keep these roots alive. I am of that generation, and I hope you will be too. This magic is more than the tale of the hills and the whispers of the autumn fog. It's the history of my blood and bones and possibly yours. Interesting. Yeah, I like that part because it reminds me of like, you know, we're, we're fascinated by our, our Norse ancestors and a lot of the sort of Celtic magic in that area and mm -hmm. Norse magic, um, at least in the traditional sense. 
And this reminds me a lot of that because it's another oral tradition being passed down through time and then gradually being forgotten. Yeah, remember your roots. Tradition's important. We talked about that when we did the, you know, the Little People episodes where we talked about how as these things are forgotten out of the lexicon and out of discussion, people see these things less. Yeah. And the magic literally fades mm-hmm. with the forgetting of these uh, traditions and um, uh, magic memories. All right, that's part was lame, but you know what I'm sorry. I'm I'm tired. It's been a long day. This is my bedtime normally. We had to do it late today. So hi everyone. John's back. John is just entering into the game again. All right. What Wish am I, I had doing? a spell for John's alertness. I'm awake. Actually, I feel better now. Good. We're getting to the magic. This is the compelling stuff. The sight. Isn't that a cool term? I mean, we've heard of this before. The sight. I like dreams true. Dreams true. I like that a lot. Yeah. Dreams true. Dreams true. Did you guys ever see the sixth sense? No, I've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, what's that, John? It's a pretty good movie. Does about he see dead people? Bruce Willis. It's a movie about <laughs> Bruce Willis. I said he sees autobiography. Him. It's a great film. Yeah, he has the sight. Shyamalan. That's true. He does. But he doesn't know it, and right, right away. Until... Spoiler alert. Yeah, no, spoiler, spoiler alert. It's like 15 years. If you don't haven't seen that movie, then you shouldn't watch it because it's too late. <laughs> it was a good film. Yes, Chris. What about the site? Oh, I just I just us. mentioned the site because I think a lot of people are familiar with that term, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know I think it's used in different cultures. But Appalachia, it's a significant ability, and it's it's a gift by God. At least that's how they see it. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can necessarily gain, at least not easily. You're born with it. You're touched by God. Isn't it also that you were thought to have the site if you were born at night? Or if you were birthed via C-section, was that was a couple of yeah, things? Yeah, Not yeah. necessarily. Like right. that didn't well, mean you'd have the site. We're going to get more into okay. the site later. I just wanted to mention it because it's one of the interesting aspects of the Appalachian magic. They also said that uh, it's not usually with males, but it can occur. You right? can spoil all my stuff for later. I just sexist, right, right here. Sexist, oh, okay. sexist. What's it go with the flow? Okay. And, you know, the the author, Jake Richards, experienced this in his own family. He said his papa trivet. Right. Had the site in that, which was rare for men, but men can have it. It's just like in, um, sorry, that, but that reminds me of, uh, maybe Frank Herbert was from Appalachia. Dune? Dune. Why? What's the guy, the, the priest class or the, oh, what they call I read the books in a long time. Anyways, you out there. You're trying to keep John awake. You're, I'm sorry. Quoting science fiction novels is not the way to do it. It's only the men or the women usually have the, the become Muabdi. I don't know. I, I'm not a reader. <laughs> Stay in your lane, but, bud. Okay. Sorry. Let's get back to it. So <laughs> not John a reader. Fall asleep. Okay. Um, Jeremy, will you please read a bit here about the origins of American folk magic, as it's come to be known? Sure. American folk magic is a melting pot of practices stemming from Irish, Scottish, German, Italian, and other European sources, as well as African and Native American sources. For example, this part's interesting. The uses of different waters, like rainwater and ocean water, originates mostly from the British Isles. The use of dirts and dusts come from the Native American and African slaves, brought to this land. The act of placing bowls and pans under the bed for works or spells comes from Jewish folklore. The practice of throwing spells and remnants behind oneself into a stream comes from European traditions. And the use of grave dirt comes from African and European traditions. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And obviously these other cultures also utilize some of these other elements, but specifically in Appalachia, you have different regions, different peoples coming from different regions with a focus on certain like dirt magic from, you know, Africa, dust and dirt from Africa. Yeah, I like that kind of color, you know, the different pieces. It's like, it's a cauldron of conjure. Exactly. Melting pot. Yes. Which makes it so unique and fun to explore. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. I, I like this idea of these different areas. Like in the North, you might have, you know, 
uh, magic from the bones of wolves and, you know, and ice water. Or it's Game of Thrones or something. Like yeah. a regional ability and culture based on areas. Right. It's neat. Regional magic. It's um, interesting. It is. I'm intrigued. Good. <laughs> um, sometimes, and sometimes ingredients were scarce and you had a location that didn't have all the elements that you might have in relation to these sorts of spells and things because they came from other places. So f- here's one example, John, if you would read the example here of a certain craft that they didn't have all the ingredients for. All right. Same voice? Yeah. You're going to be the voice of our Voice author. of reason. Sure. I'm the voice of reason and dign- dignity. <laughs> that as well and magic hotfoot powder which is used to make folks leave you alone hotfoot powder which is used to make folks leave you alone food (laughs) hold on hold on on. one more time okay look you're doing a commercial for hotfoot powder (laughs) hotfoot powder when folks need to be left alone hotfoot powder which is used to make folks leave you alone or even leave town Sometimes consists of hot peppers, spices, and sulfur. But those things aren't found often here in the mountains. So most people mix black pepper and salt instead, as they are cheap and readily available. I've also heard of adding spiders, bugs, and other things to scare or chase folks away. We don't call it hot foot in the mountains either. To us, it's uprooting people to make them leave and never f***ing return. Dance. Creative license. Uh, I like that um, they call it uprooting. Yeah, because it just it just reminds me of like the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, right? Roots wrapped around or so rocks much, and so much about roots there. So what what did you do with the hot foot powder? You put it on your feet? You put it on the person's feet? You didn't like? You know, that's a good go question. Away? I mean, it definitely sounds like it would work if you put mashed up spiders and hot peppers <laughs> in someone's shoes. I believe. I, I feel like I'm gonna stay with you anymore, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> You could have asked me to get out of here. You could have asked me to leave. I'm sure it's not a place. No, it like was that. probably something where, like a lot of these crafts and um, charms, yep. a lot of them were called mm-hmm. charms, but also they had what you called tricks. And tricks were specifically um, almost like magical traps you'd set for people. You would bury things under the ground where someone's going to walk. You would, you know, put things in people's clothes, um, above doorways, things like that. So this would probably fall along the lines, I'm not sure, but under one of those tricks, they would probably make this powder and they would put it maybe on the sole of someone's oh. shoe. Or they would put the place where they walk. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. Hot foot powder. I like it. Yeah. Now, what are haints, Chris? Haints we talked about before. If you remember in our New Orleans episode, I, those of you who aren't uh, members, patrons right now, but expansion members, expansion members uh, of the show, you can you can sign up bluefall.com to become a, an expansion member. But um, yeah, we we did uh, that episode in New Orleans and the folklore and the magic there. Oh, we, actually, we talked about the haints in our barricading the boogeyman episode. Oh, okay. And um, spirit architecture, right? Which is one of my favorites from last season. But what what was it about haints? I haints remember that are word. basically a corruption of haunt or southern corruption of the word haunt. They're used, actually, I'll jump right to that. I have that here. They're it's used, a little harsh, corruption? Meaning corruption of the term. In other words, the word just got changed. Right. Because just the way it was said. Mm-hmm. Those Southerners corrupted it like they did our union in the Civil War. Okay. I don't know why I'd be speaking that with a Southern accent. I don't either. <laughs> it should be a hoity-toity Northerner. Okay, so yeah, the word hand applies to a multitude of different spirits with varying dispositions, including demons, lost souls, and ghosts. Plus, uh, we, which we've talked about before, the Yunwi Sunti were Cherokee little people. 
It is basically a southern corruption upon, like I said, many devices and taboos were developed against their intrusion into our home, dreams, lives in a negative way. So then we're going to talk about that next, how you can protect yourself from these negative entities okay. based on Appalachian mountain conjure. Cool. An iron has historically, like you mentioned earlier, been a universal method of protecting against a massive number of things from disease and evil spirits to bad tempers and the evil eye, which we talked about in our New Orleans magic episode with the um, eye of Sauron. Exactly. Sauron. With the eye of Sauron. Sauron. Man, I wish we could do some uh, sci-fi oh, John would fan love that. episodes. John would love to oh, do yeah, some Oh yeah, that's uh, right up my alley. We'll do some fantasy film reviews perhaps, Sean. <laughs> would you enjoy that? Uh, maybe. And then you, you, can, you can do an that. episode on soccer. And sound design. Soccer, yeah, I'm super interested in soccer lately. <laughs> he used to be. <laughs> Anyways, the evil eye, because remember we talked about Madame Laveau? That was one of her things. She was notorious. She allegedly could kill someone with, you know, with look. just with the, her evil look, the yeah. evil eye. There's a great chip brand uh, named after, they do all these New Orleans. It's the flavor. Yeah, the evil eye is, uh, it's not as good. As, no, that's the best one. Then there's also the voodoo Voodoo's flavor. Good. Great chips. Anyways. So because of this, many charms and tricks, like we talked about, those tricks, have developed on either side of the pond in modern times. To keep one's livestock from being shot by the magic of the little folk or witches, you would use slack water, which is the water used by a blacksmith to cool iron. Add this water to water holes or buckets the animals drink out of, or pour it over their backs while saying the Lord's Prayer. So basically you have iron this water, water mixed with molted iron and you run it over the backs of your livestock and it's supposed to protect them from the dark magic of the little people. What is it mixed witches. with? Uh, it's mixed with um, slack water. So when a, a blacksmith would forge iron, the leftover water. They would cool it and go, and they'd cool it in the huh. slack water. Because there's something about iron throughout all cultures that it's supposed to ward off different kinds of Evil or hidden folk or, yeah, for some reason. Probably about the charge of it, maybe. Oh, maybe. It could be a magnetic thing. Yeah, Yeah, I like the, I love the idea of, of course, you could have skeptical people say, like, you know, if this is all hokum, uh, you know, well, maybe it's, you know, iron is traditionally, it keeps you safe from weapons, right? Swords and things like that. But you can also think of it as, like, if there are entities that are in a a realm very close, and there there are, are. we we all believe that there are. Um, if you want to argue that point, to me, it's easy to say, like, especially if you, if you want to argue that they're feeding off certain energies here. Well, they are. May, may, okay, yes. Well, they are. Well, they are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> okay, I'm not debating that point right now. <laughs> they are. But what I'm saying is, you up. I like the idea, the interesting concept that they would also be repulsed by certain energies, certain yeah. frequencies, certain elements. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, garlic. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you could list, you know, hundreds of examples of these. You want to call them superstitions. It's interesting because garlic, right? You got the vampire with the two teeth stick in the neck. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because that con- penetration, like an infection, people are infected by the vampire, the uh, the lore, you know, that entails it, someone turning into a vampire, right? right? The, the turning. Um, but garlic is a natural antibiotic. So that would keep the infection out. It's just an interesting kind of, it just popped in my head. You just it's, learned that, didn't you? When you were sick. What? You got that accused vampires away? Yeah, I learned that about garlic no, when no, I was no, no. sick. <laughs> yeah, the about. Allison. Yeah, the the Allison and the garlic. You homeopaths out there, right? Well, garlic's a great and natural antibiotic and anti-inflammatory. But I just thought that was maybe that's where that kind of comes from. That idea, the logical idea that it might keep vampires away. So I thought I thought okay. this would be fun to do. No one's interested in that. I think it's a good idea. Thanks, John. I think this would be fun to do real quick. Uh, Jeremy, I want you to mention a specific necessity f- of magic. What you might need help with and warding off something, and then John is going to give the answer, the antidote, according to Jake Richards' version of Appalachian folk magic. So there's like call and response, right? Yeah. Okay. John, from your deep understanding of Appalachian lore and magical conjure, what would you do to, I'd say, ward off witches, um, conjurings, or haints? 
A horseshoe wrapped in tinfoil and hung on the door will keep away conjurings, witches, and haints. Ding! Good enough. I don't know what a haint is, but that's what we it would do. We just talked about it five minutes ago. <laughs> literally. Are you reading your Zevia can again? What's going on? It's a, I can't pay attention to everything you say. You it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, basically the way the word haunt was said and became its own word. It's just a haunt, like a ghost, a haint, spirit. Okay, here's another one for you. Uh, Shoot. How would you ward off a, a haunting? Set a horseshoe. <laughs> you are tired. Set a horseshoe in the fireplace and throw a handful of salt over it. As long as the horseshoe remains warm, no evil can enter the home. Interesting. It would take a while. So you got to keep it warm. Yeah, but you just keep it burning overnight. Because that's the other thing is like, you know, daytime, they're not going to pester you. Yeah. So you, when you cook your dinner, you put the horseshoe in. Sure. Interesting. It is true. To the best of my knowledge. All right. Can you carry charms for protection, Joan? <laughs> A bag of new salt hung around the neck, an iron nail in the pocket, a toby containing millstone. Mistletoe. Mistletoe. (laughs) Millstone, that'd be a heavy bag. (laughs) Tobacco and lichen moss. Lichen. Tobacco and lichen or moss from the east side of an oak tree and a rabbit's foot. You could even just keep your pockets turned inside out and damn them if they were going to get you. (laughs) Is that real? Interesting. So that's kind of interesting too, because the moss on the on the east side mm-hmm. just reminds me of like this kind of rooted in the biblical idea. And the east is the direction that the sun rises and the sun, son of God, the symbolism for Christ. I mean, it, that's maybe a stretch. Yeah, I'm not but sure. That east has an importance, and it's usually because of I think, if I'm remembering correctly, in in all cultures. Yeah, and yeah. it's a pagan idea too. That renewal and mm-hmm. life and the well, it's light versus light. dark. Light versus dark. So yeah. that's why maybe why east is important. Good thinking, Jer. Who knows? You could be completely wrong, but I like it. All conjecture. Our last one. Jeremy is usually right on target. <laughs> oh, sweet. That was really sweet. Yeah. His, his head hurts because his brain is so big. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. All right, John. I need one last piece of advice from you. Shoot. I got to keep the dead out of my dreams at night. How? I've got something for this. All right. Hang coral on the bedpost. A few handfuls of salt and mustard seed on the doorstep at night is based on the premise that haints and evil spirits cannot enter until they've counted each grain and every seed, by which time the sun will be up and it'll be too late for them to pester you. Nice. Good advice. The scattering and counting belief is rampant through Europe and the Americas. True. Discuss. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read the discuss. Um, right? Yeah. So two things there. I love the coral thing on the bedpost. It reminds you of you know, Native American dream catcher. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. A physical oh. manifestation of something to and block and keep negative entities and spirits out of your dreams. And this is a, this is a similar connection, which is fascinating to me, is uh, the coral is porous. You have a lot yeah. of little holes, just like the dream catcher the has. The coral is porous. The coral is porous. The coral is porous. The coral is porous. What is happening? The John needs to put John down for his nap. <laughs> <laughs> but no, think about it. The cor- coral is porous. I can't hear that without way. thinking. <laughs> the coral is porous. Uh, and the dream catcher has all those... The different spaces, right? Like, right. I think that's the idea is that it, it, it reminds me of- It's a uh, net. There's an, another one of these. I heard about the Appalachian magic. One idea is the corn cop above the door keeps oh, out right. the evil spirits because- The maze? The, all the little holes it would have to pass through. Yeah. It would make it It's almost difficult. Like the corn is a maze. Oh my God. Get it? Terrible pun. Okay. Corn is also known that as That sounds like it's time for a break. <laughs> it's true. Oh, the last thing I wanted to say about that real quick is just, yeah, the counting. Right, you hear that in vampire lore too. Same idea, yeah. Same idea. Remember the X Files episode? It's so good. Yeah, we talked um, about with that the before. fat kid from Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was me, the heavier kid from Sandlot. 
You know what I'm saying. All right, let's, you guys want to take a quick break? Yes. We got a stinger. Oh, you want to do that now? Yep. Okay. Well, we've got a couple. Oh, do we? Two. Oh, cool. All right. So, um, since we're coming back from a break and this is a new season, I'm just going to just quickly tell you what a stinger is because stingers are fun little sound nuggets that I create (laughs) for anyone that wants one. Certain uh, level of uh, patron. Yes, right there's now. a patron tier that you can sign up for. Thunder Buzzard. And they're just fun little audio stingers. The people that um, end up getting one usually send us some information about themselves and we try to make it kind of personal and fun. Oh, yeah. So Get you in that hole. If you can support the hole at that level, that tier, uh, we really appreciate it. And we, John specifically, will craft you a special stinger. That's right. Sometimes we're all involved, but John is the... Uh, John is the I'm usually the one that does them. So this first one's from Soundiron. Yes, Soundiron. Very cool company. They make all sorts of virtual instruments, which are instruments that you can play on your computer. They actually sent me some of their products to use for the show, and the stuff they have is awesome and super fun to play with. In fact, a lot of the music we're starting to produce in the show now features the Soundiron instruments. So if you like the music in our show and you're interested in making your own music, definitely go check them out. I ended up using one of their instruments called a didgeridoo for this stinger coming up. And they gave us a discount code for 33% off this specific instrument. And the discount code is beliefhole2. That's beliefhole2, all lowercase, all one word, and the number two. One more thing to mention is the instrument is in something called NKS format. So that means you can download the free contact player that's made by Native Instruments. And you can load the instrument as a standalone instrument, or you can load it into any major DAW, which is a digital audio workstation. So, without further ado, here's the stinger. Oh my god, this is going to be so amazing. I hope so, Stefan. That is why we came here. I'm just like really good at these ayahuasca ceremonies lately. Basically, like, half my Instagram followers are either breatharians or they've completely transferred over to full light beings, essentially because of my teachings. (laughs) Tonight's gonna blow your mind, Brian, in ways that you can't even fathom. (laughs) Hello, I am your shaman, and my name is Bill. I want you to take this drink, drink it down, drink it into your soul. Let the plants speak to you. Well, I guess here's to learning more about myself and the universe. And cheers to a million more Instagram followers for me. (sighs) (laughs) I'm starting to see all the polygons. shapes (laughs) god i'm so good at this (laughs) whoa (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) what oh this 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 doesn't feel right this is this i don't i've never felt this this way before what's what's happening i've never seen anything like that like what what is that but Brian, is, is that you? Like, who are you? Don't be alarmed, my friend. Oh, wait. You're like one of the shape-shifting machine elves, aren't you? <laughs> I am. 
And this would normally be when we'd explain to you the nature of reality and the meaning of life. <laughs> which you'd probably forget upon waking. <laughs> but unfortunately, it seems there's been some kind of error. What, what do you mean by error? Well, it appears your pineal paperwork has been filed incorrectly at the Psychonaut Processing Department, and it's going to take a while to get it sorted out. How long exactly is a while? I have a live stream at 8 tonight. Am I going to be back? <laughs> oh, not to worry. We should be able to get you back by the end of this ceremony. <laughs> but for you, I am afraid, it's gonna feel like 1,000 years. Oh, wait, terrifying. What? what does that mean? Now first, I'm gonna need you to go see Lenny at receiving. He's gonna set you up with a form B48. You're gonna wanna <laughs> fill that out and take that to Jeannie at the Department of Transspatial Services. You don't want this part to be wrong or you'll have to start all over again. <laughs> then you're gonna wanna shoot across town to the Quark and Go. Get yourself a subatomic fluid sack. It'll keep you hydrated. Lexplar is head of the intergalactic account. And she's gonna need Hey, hey, he's coming back. His eyes are opening. Stefan, are you okay? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Oh, where am I? What year is it? You're here, Stefan. You heard the ceremony. We've only been here for like an hour. You're okay. No, you don't understand. I've been gone a thousand years in the land of the elves. I've had an awakening, a horrible, horrible awakening. Oh, okay, right, Stefan. The land of the elves. I bet you'll sell that line in your next premium level Soul Ascension e-course. <laughs> you know what, Stefan? I've had my own awakening, and I've awakened to the fact that you're a dick. I am going home. It's all real. It's all real. So many forms to fill. So much paperwork. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that was intense, man. Wow. <laughs> like I was there. That was great and terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, kind of... Uh, that, was... that made me not want to do DMT. <laughs> Apparently, there was a uh, clerical error when the yeah. guy had a trip and Somebody. took a long time to get back. You don't want to get stuck. That no. can happen. I love I love the voices and they seem to have shades of different accents as you were going through yeah. the thing. California, they're like a little bit of Irish in there. Yeah, I really it was kind Australian. of all over the place. That was great though. It was fun. It was great. I enjoyed it very much. Well, well, and thanks to Sound Iron. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For the uh, sponsorship, that's that's pretty awesome. And then we have one more at the end of the show too. Awesome. Who's that for coming up? That is going to be for Brianna. Brianna Sally. All right. And I did want to thank um, Stacy Lucanon and oh, yeah. Madison Miller. And Madison, Madison Miller. Miller and Stacy Lucanon. Awesome. Uh, they just signed up for one too. And oh, so nice. Their stinger will be coming up in the next couple episodes. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for that. Really helps keep the show going. Yeah, it really does help. Uh, help keep us rocking. And, and there's rolling. a few on the list that we we're almost through with the original list. We're getting closer. Yeah. So if you haven't heard yet, thank you for your patience. And for those that left before we got to him, sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> those <laughs> people just signed time. up at like it was almost free at the time. Right. So. 
They have to come back. They can get one. That's right. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. We'll be back in a minute. Uh, stay tuned for more Bleeth Hole Season 3, Episode 1. Epic, epic stuff. Gosh. My brain is <laughs> not, not quite working. there. Huh? This is not epic stuff. All right. More Appalachian magic and mystery. I thought it was Appalachian. Appalachian. That's that's the way you're supposed to say it. That's yeah. the way from, you're supposed to say it. From what I understand, it. it's Appalachian. All right. We'll be back in a in bit. In a minute. Okay, we're back. We're back at you. John is here. He's fully awake. Yay. John likes to talk in third person. John he? is really, really a special kind of guy. He's his own best <laughs> uh, friend. He's his own best friend. He's his friend. own, uh, I was going to say, advocate. He's a Champion. real, real special kind of guy that likes to come in to the round two and be, the underdog. be ready. He's going to beat up the giant at the end of the, end of the race. He's just pumping himself up to stay in it to win it, right, John? John is here. John, <laughs> the, that'll that'll be his tombstone. John was here. John was here. <laughs> he was engaged at times and was here the whole time. John was here. John, I think I have something that's going to engage you. What is that? I hope. Christopher uh, Pratt. Thank you. Wait, is this pre-Jurassic Park Chris Pratt or post-Jurassic Park Chris Pratt? Pre. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Leading man. Um, moving quite along. I want to play a game, John. I want to play a game with you. Okay. Uh, and I call this Terms of the Hauler, okay? Terms of the Hauler. Because the people that migrated to these hills down in Appalachia and were very secluded, they brought with them a lot of their colorful... Um, language. Speak and language from, you know, the Elizabethan era. A lot of flowery terms, things like that. Oh, really? Yeah. The Victorian? Uh, yeah. Which area? Oh, interesting. Well, I'm not going to pass anything. Okay, sorry. That's just interesting. Elizabethan terms in Europe. Um, Shakespearean. And as as they came down, yeah, Shakespearean, they got marooned into these haulers, you know? They were kind of cut off from other societies in the region, uh-huh. just being up in these mountains. So, anyways, they brought with them this colorful language, um, and because they got stuck for generations in this area, their language sort of melded um, into this unusual colloquial. Uh, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is, is read some terms to you. Okay. And then I want you to guess what they mean. So you're saying okay. it's a unique dialect because of the area that they were, were they marooned? You said they were stuck in there? Well, yeah, they're up in the, they're in the mountains, you know, they're kind of just with their own for generations. And that's kind of because from what I understood, the communities developed kind of in the mountains. They call it like the mountain folk families on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then you were, you had a lot of, I don't know, I guess separation from people in the flatlands below. Yeah. Words were mispronounced and phrases and sentences were kind of rearranged. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until the 20th century when we had radio and mountain language was kind of transformed by the modern influences of the world. Interesting. So give us some examples. So some examples, can you tell me what you think an arm baby is? 
Uh, a baby the size of an arm. That's pretty close, John. Arm baby. I was, inc- I was hoping you would have some more flowery definition for an arm baby. <laughs> I was thinking like a baby you can hold in one arm. That yes, a, chi- a child small enough to be carried in someone's arms. An arm baby. Hey. That also goes for lap baby. Maybe a baby that is made out of arms only. Like yes. so, like an arm baby. It's just arms out of every like appendage. Yep. That's, Even the fingers. That's the other. <laughs> John, if I were to say that Jeremy was very buttermouthed, what do you think I would be saying about him? He he. He's a. Uh, he doesn't speak very clearly. That, that's a good guess. It's actually uh, speaking in flattering terms. Ooh, but, look, look at this little buttermouth over look here. Look at that buttermouth. <laughs> look at his syrup mouth. Like a brown noser, basically. Well, you sure look fine and dandy, Miss Sullivan. He's such a buttermouth. There you go. Uh, my favorite one, chunk water. Uh, oh, sorry, I read that wrong. It's chunk washer. Chunk oh, washer. Chunk washer. What do you think it means? Chunk washer. By the way, I'm laughing in veneration. I like these terms. Mother of a fat kid. Because she's got to bathe her fat, chunky. Exactly right. Chunk washer. Really? No, it's not it at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy rain. Oh, like, ch- wa- like water falling in chunks. Chunk washer. Wow. I would have never like that one. That. I thought it was called chunk water. Right, I got two more for you. What's a goozler? A drunk. <laughs> oh, that's a great guess. But Ooh. no, it is a boy whose voice is changing. A goozler. Like, hey, Mr. Jefferson, I'm here to get the paper. It's been a great hey. time together. I'm going to go to school. No. <laughs> I wish. They, always, they always announce their activities, these pubescent <laughs> hey, children. Mom, I'm off to school. I'm going to eat a sandwich, Janine. Uh, I want to end it with this one because it brings us back a little into the darkness, into the mysterious. What do you think a death watch is? Mm, a death when watch. you're wanting to kill someone, when you're wanting to beat someone when up. When someone's sick, like in the hospice range. That's, I mean, that sounds like what it would be, right? Yeah. No, it's a ticking insect in the wall of a house that meant death in the family. Oh. So you hear the death watch? It's a that's like a, creepy. Like dude. A ticking insect in the wall. I don't like that idea. Yeah. Wait. On, so someone would be sick. Yeah, like close to death. You'd hear a ticking in the wall. Is that like a common thing that happens there? Like people get sick and they it hear was just insects? The uh, Appalachia is full of these. I mean, I don't, I don't want to call them superstitions because I think a lot of them have some legitimacy and omens. I think in general or some root basis. Maybe there's just so many insects that. It's quiet during death time. Oh, everyone's like kind of everyone's quiet. quiet. It, it could relate to the idea of the sound of a clock, I suppose. The ticking of a clock. Your life going by. Yeah. But no, they have so many, are, so there's so many signs and omens in Appalachian uh, folklore and magic. Well, the Banshee. We're going to get into in the expansion entities, creatures, monsters, mysteries in Appalachia that goes beyond the magic that are maybe magical themselves. Uh, the Banshee, like the Omen we talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of, well, right. we will discuss little people to an extent. Yeah. But the little folk is something that the uh, Cherokee natives have too, but it's a kind of little folk that the, uh, or hidden folk, if you will, of the Irish that's brought over here. And when you hear it, it means warning of death. And Omen. we'll get to that in the expansion, along with some monsters, right? Some some monster encounters. Oh, yeah. I touched on them earlier, but we've got a lot of devils, a lot of devilish things in Appalachia. All right, well, let's get through the rest of this episode because there's plenty of magic to rifle through. Speaking of devils, what do we have coming up, Chris? All right. Well, the next thing I want to talk about is working with the dead. Okay. So working with the dead. Jeremy, do you want to take this away? This was interesting. This comes from, again, Jake Richard's book, Backwoods Magic. Working with the dead is one of the most popular yet least understood practices in folk magic. Many people read about it online and just hop down to the graveyard for some dirt. But it isn't that simple. Spirits don't just make miracles on request. Nope. 
They'll do favors and offer services in exchange for something. Usually pennies, or other coins, jars of moonshine, cigarettes, food, or perfume left on the grave. When I am buying dirt from a grave, I will simply tell the spirit, I ain't stealing nothing, because I'm leaving this here in its place. Or, I'm buying some of your dirt here for such and such reason, for such and such offering. Graveyards are the focus of all kinds of weird tales, and they have become a place of importance in the making of many formulas for protection, luck, love, healing, and cursing. Some recipes call for dirt from the grave of a police officer or a doctor for varied reasons. Then people go out and get it with no question. But the problem here is that you are employing the aid of a spirit you know nothing about. Exactly. What if the doctor in life abused his patients, or the police officer was crooked? Not everything can be found in a Google search or a book, not even here. The dead aren't all kind, and there are more secrets in each grave than you'll ever know. We work with the dead to have them complete a task on our or someone's behalf, and we'll use the dirt from the grave in the tricks to bring their power into the work. When you go to a graveyard to employ a spirit or buy dirt, I encourage you to use the previously mentioned ways of protecting yourself from haints. Other precautions I take at a graveyard include the following. Never step over a grave as it will bring misfortune. And don't point at a grave or you'll be stricken with illness. And of course, come alone and leave alone. And as you leave, don't look behind you until you pass the first crossroads home or you'll be vulnerable to a spirit hopping on your back. Yeah, and uh, I didn't get into this, but I will say quickly, that stricken with illness thing, it's interesting when it comes to uh, unknown illnesses or causes of illnesses, I thought this was pretty fascinating and pretty tragic. The idea that if someone in your family comes down with a terrible illness shortly after someone near them died, the line of thinking is oftentimes that it's because that spirit is so heartbroken that it can't be with you, that it actually causes the sickness of the person who was close to them. So ironically, that spirit that loves the person that's still living, loves them still mm. so much in its death that it's causing an illness in that person because the spirit can't move on, which I thought was an interesting- Wait, say that again? So the spirit is longing for the people. Right, is that what it is? Right. If, if there's an illness in the family or something that happens quickly after someone dies, it's often thought that because that person was closest to that spirit, yeah. that spirit in death misses the person who's still living so much that he or she inadvertently causes illness in the living person. Almost to bring it to him unintentionally. Right. Or don't you think that could just be the stress of losing someone? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is the spirit <laughs> I know. Forth, I know what you're saying, yeah. But that's one of the ideas, which I... I can see how that could be a thing. Cause you, it's a very romantic idea. I, I can see how people think this might be a stretch, but if you think about the idea that spirits can cause uh, emotional pressures and that feeding on energy, whether right. it's intentional or unintentional, you miss someone so much, you're constantly it, around the spirits, them. spirit's unintentional intention, if you yeah. will, is causing that person to get sick to join them sooner. Isn't it too bad that it doesn't work the other way around? Yeah. Where well, you really miss someone that's dead and they slowly oh, they come, back, come to back, life. back to life. I know. They come out of the grave. Yeah, maybe it does. But that would that would suck because it would take a long time to heal, probably. Yeah. Pet cemetery. Just like that. Anyway, uh, a little bit more about the graveyard. When entering a graveyard or cemetery, there's a widespread tradition of giving an offering to the guardian spirit of the cemetery in order to enter and be under their protection. There are two beliefs about this guardian spirit. The first originates from the African traditions. They believe that the guardian spirit is the first person laid to rest in the graveyard and is charged with the duty of keeping watch over it. In Scotland and Ireland, they believe 
it's the last person to be buried who is charged with keeping watch from sunset to sunrise every day. This guardian is discharged only when the next person is buried. That seems more fair. You know, you're new to the scene. You got to stay up at night right. or in the day. Now you gotta, you're stuck from the very beginning. First person buried in the, in the graveyard. You're the there forever as the guard. Right. But it reminds me of, do you remember the movie Frighteners? Mm-hmm. Do you remember like the, the Wild West character? Mm-hmm. I think he was the guy who was in charge of all the spirits and bodies. No, the Wild the West guy was an old codger with the beard. That's what I'm talking about. No, but there was the sheriff who was like in the full metal jacket. That's not a sheriff. That's a military. Hey, right. He was a military Great movie. Guy. Military guy. Anyway. Yeah. Good job, Chris. Good just, reference. Just reminded me of that. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting idea. Uh, so there's many traditions in Appalachia that involve devil folklore. Uh, when you think about it being so closely tied in with the culture of Christianity, especially the Baptists, there's a lot of tie-ins with that and that culture. And then the negative spirits of the other cultures that have found themselves in rooted in those same mountains and hillsides kind of forming a lot of these scenarios. You have Devil's Looking Glass, right. Devil's Run. We're going to talk about Devil's Run specifically and a story of a lone rider. And we're going to wrap up the episode okay. with that. And Devil's Run is interesting. This to your point about the different cultures here. See that the Cherokee, they knew this place. This was called Devil's Run for the Irish, Scottish, Germanic settlers that became white Appalachians. But the natives there refer to it as Blackwater because they also knew it as a dangerous, dark oh, right. kind of place that had its own lore. So whether it's the devil, whether it's a darkness, a spiritual darkness, it's some kind of negative area. You often find these tie-ins with different cultures in the same geographical location. Right. Which may mean there's something to it, spiritually. Of course. cross culture, Obviously. So let's hear this story, Chris. This is called The Lone Rider of Devil's Run. Located outside of Irwin, Tennessee, overlooking the Nolichucky River, the Devil's Looking Glass is a haunted cliff of rock standing hundreds of feet tall and covered with the fingerprints of death. There are countless tales of this mountain cliff and the waters that churn below. The creepiest tale I was told growing up was, if you stood on the banks before the Devil's Looking Glass on a real foggy morning, you could chance to see the Devil himself shaving in the mirror and laughing at you. This isn't the only association the devil has with the Nolichucky River. There are tales of a lone rider who rides up and down the banks on moonless nights. It's said you'll hear the hoofbeats get closer and closer until they're right up on you, at which point you'll hear them go off in the other direction and die down without ever seeing a living soul. No one could ever get a clear view of who the rider was that was scaring folk. Only an occasional blurred shadow on the bank that passed by fast as ever. It was a couple of decades ago that a few men took it upon themselves to get to the bottom of who this rider was. They camped on the bank overnight, waiting for the rider to show. One person stayed up to keep watch. Around 3 a.m., the watchman began to hear hoofbeats down the river. He woke the others up and they scrambled around, tying a rope to a tree at the water's edge and holding the other end some 10 yards back. Their plan was to pull on the rope to trip the horse and throw the rider off right when they passed. The hoofbeats got closer and closer. The men readied themselves. A shadowy blur passed by and with a force it pulled on the rope yanking the men forward on their faces. The hoofbeats continued in the other direction, their pattern and beat unhindered by the rope or the men's efforts. They were confused. One suggested it couldn't be a ghost because it pulled on the rope. 
Then they saw hoof prints in the mud and validated it wasn't a ghost because ghosts don't leave footprints in the mud. However, upon further investigation, they found the hoof prints weren't U-shaped like a horse's. They were cloven like a goat. It was at that point... That is freaky, actually. Yeah. It was at that point the men ran back home yelling, It was the devil himself! No one dared look for the identity of the rider again. For this story, the river was named Devil's Run. Stories have warned since not to be caught out on the banks at night, alone or else the devil may challenge you to a race for your soul. What do you reckon your chances are of winning? Pretty good. Well read, John. I'm a good runner. Thank you. Especially for being so tired. Freaky story, though. Yeah, if you're if you're freaked out by cloven hooves, John, the expansion has multiple encounters with things that resemble... That's why I found this interesting when you told me about this is like a lore, folklore. But there are modern accounts of people seeing this kind of small, satyr, cloven hoof type thing that's lightning fast. Yeah. And those those accounts line up with this old folklore, which is just totally... I didn't know that going in, but you reading right. that story just connected to my research that we'll be getting into the expansion with some of these bizarre encounters with with things in the wilderness of Appalachia. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. You have one specifically play. I guess we'll play it again on the expansion. I think expansion members may, may have heard it already. That laughing in the forest and then the gunshot. Really wanted to compare it to. Well, we didn't really we get into drop the, it in. Yeah, well, we didn't really fact, we didn't really get into the devil laughing stuff in this that's anyway. True. So, but there there are accounts of the laughter. Yeah, that's another thing too. Creepy stuff, and we'll be getting in. If you guys are interested, in that we'll definitely be getting into that stuff in the expansion and some some real creepiness. Absolutely. Oh, before we get to our next thing, I just wanted to do a quick shout out uh, to a special fella by the name of Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob Gonzalez. You have a very special loving girlfriend. Happy birthday. Jacob. Happy birthday to you, my friend, our friend. Happy birthday. And her boyfriend. Uh, so thanks guys for being what a way to put it you can tell <laughs> we didn't script to, that trying to name everything <laughs> anyways thanks Jessica and Jacob for being patrons and happy birthday yeah to we you love guys. you yeah thanks guys and thanks to everyone out there who's supporting the show you guys are all awesome you guys yeah. are awesome you keep it going yes yes everybody else out there if you guys want double the content plus bonus live streams uh, and some occasionally off the cuff and unicorn episodes go to believeful.com and sign up to become an expansion member yeah. expansion member expansion member but yeah we did two really fun live streams over the break and we're definitely going to do more so yeah. if you guys are interested in hanging out with us in real time um, become an expansion member and we will rock your world yes we will that's a promise it's fun though we, we do have a really good time that's with great. people yeah cool so what, who's this last singer for Jono this last one is for Brianna Sally oh Brianna oh. and uh she is a pharmacy tech at CVS I hope that's we okay need to them. say we need those people I'm sure it's okay wasn't that what it, she told that about herself right yeah that she did be included in her singer so that's true she did it's part of legend and lore now it's true and a very skilled CVS tech Brianna thank you for your support let's hear pharmacy it pharmacy tech this one's for you Brianna that wasn't the stinger. Creepy. Oh, it's at CVS. I recognize the beeps. Oh, Brianna. We're going to need to see you up front, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty convincing. Must be a long line. Well, apparently, uh, no one can find Brianna, so we're just going to have to tell her over the loudspeaker. <laughs> Brianna? <laughs> We just want to thank you for all the hard work that you do here at CVS. Um, <laughs> you are one hell of a pharmacy tech. Uh, you've been filling people's drugs and prescriptions like a champion. 
for a long time now and uh, just want to say thank you for everything you do for all these wonderful people and, and believe all thanks you as well <laughs> and if you're a customer and you see Brianna tell her thank you she, and she's doing a wonderful job <laughs> <laughs> hold on that was great okay Oh, and uh, one more thing. I just wanted to mention the chemtrails are real. Just look at this guy. Thank you. Just look at this guy. Oh, manager Steve knows oh his stuff. Oh, my God. That was great. That uh, might be one of my favorites, John. Uh, well done. Brianna, it's pretty convincing, like that. wasn't it? Yeah, like, was I really did sound like yeah. I was in the Yeah, thanks, Brianna, for the unique scene and setting for that uh, that stinger. That was the first one I think of. <laughs> but the indoors at a pharmacy. He just announced his conspiracy <laughs> beliefs. It's like irritated. Yeah, just look at this guy. Manager Steve. <laughs> yeah, just look at this guy. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you, Brianna. Thank you to everybody out there and thank you to everyone who's just listening in hope you we enjoyed the do, episode are we going to do the uh, new st- new patron thingy yes new patron read off um, let's do that real quick let's see if there's anything else I was going to say I just wanted to say before we do the last patron read off um, a lot of things we didn't get into with this topic we didn't talk about um, power doctors or uh, oh, there's a whole slew of terms uh, that I, I didn't get into um, booger dogs uh, booger we dogs. Didn't, we didn't go into detail. Why did you not lead with booger dogs? We didn't dogs? go into details about the charms. We didn't get into much of the details of the faith healing. You know, root work, root doctors. Uh, well, you're welcome to pepper that stuff in in the expansion if you want. Uh, yeah, we'll be getting back into this. We talked about witch balls in our um, Bell Witch episode. Yeah. Maybe we'll get more into witch balls. Um, there's so much to get into here. And if you want to do a really good deep dive, I can't recommend a better book for this. Again, Jake Richards' book here. It'll be in the show notes, guys. Backwoods Witchcraft, Conjure and Folk Magic from Appalachia. There's so much in there, and it's written beautifully. Um, check it out for sure. Uh, all right. Absolutely. Let's, let's hear uh, new brave inductees into the deep expanse of the hole. Initiates of the hole, if you will. They put on their splunking gear and did a deep jump. Thanks for signing up, guys. Thanks to... Boyd Jordan. In the hoop. Eddie Valentine. Be my Valentine. Josh Stoner. <laughs> Jason Young. Not old. Christopher James. <laughs> Two first names. Ben Siegfried. From the circuit. Doesn't need Roy. Good enough on his own. Shailene Collier. Hi. <laughs> Megan McMinn. What up, Megan? Hey, sister family. Joe Lynn. Hi, Joe. Not a Cinda like Joe Lynn. That was weird. What'd you say? Not a Cinda like Joe Lynn. Cinda? Not a sin to like. Okay, just move. Okay, on. Uh, Rosker. What up, Rosker? Rosker. Oh, it could be, but it's Ross Skur. Ross Skur. Ross Skur. Interesting. He ain't Welcome skirt. aboard, Ross. Jessica Muir. Jessica Muir. 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 Daughter of the Muir Woods. Wow. Uh, Eric. Ooh, Eric. Just Eric, huh? Afraid to leave the last name. It's okay. Still cool. EA Sports. <laughs> it's in the game. <laughs> well done, guy. Thanks, EA. Uh, Sue LaRose. Oh, pretty name. Sue of the Rose. Sue of the Rose. Jay Hall. Jay Hall, what up, Jay? Oh, yeah. Inductee in the Jay Hall. Uh, Jimmy Hall. Oh. Jimmy Hall. Can't be a coincidence. Two bros, maybe? Lauren. Hey, what's up, Lauren? Lauren, nice to meet you. Andrew Rupelt. Hi. Ooh. Oh, Rupelt. 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 If you will. Very nice. Tell Thank you. Her. Sarah. 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 Strong, classic name. name. Singular name. One of my favorites. Sarah. Jenny. Ooh. Did you have a chicken check? Did you drink some gin today, Jenny? That was really good. Shut up. <laughs> Josh Merchant. Hey, I'll buy your goods. He's a seller of, of sorts. <laughs> Madison Miller. Madison, the double double M's. What is up? Maddie Miller. Sherbert 247. Eating that ice cream all day long. Yummy, yummy, fruity flavors. <laughs> today I was going to go quick. Nick Lowry. Hey, what there. up, Nick? Cammie Joyce. Yeah. 
Tunnel. The joist is a beam that supports Tunnel. architectural You're really features. Nick Spur. Yeehaw. Spur that horse. We need a spur sound effect right there, please. Party shrimp. Party shrimp. Party shrimp. Party shrimp. Okay, Jeremy. <laughs> Lori Fetter or Feeder. Hey, Lori. Hey, Lori. Lori Fetter. Hey, Lori. She's great. You are great. She asked a question today, so She's we answered very her. very active on the, on the Patreon. Thank you. And Emma. Oh, Emma. Sweet Emma. Emma Stemma. She needs no introduction. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, we love you very much. Yeah, you guys you keep us alive. You are the reason that we keep going. That and our love for the mysterious. You give life to the show. You give the breath of life into the whole. That's right. And every listener out there who can't afford to be a member or patron right now, just we just, just thank you for listening. Anymore. <laughs> we thank you for listening seriously and spread the word if you can, leave reviews and just appreciate that we appreciate you. And just be a good person too. And be a good person, yeah. you know, appreciate every day. Uh, it's a gift. <laughs> and uh, unlike John, just appreciate all things. Just be grateful for your life every day. You know, you know, you wake up every day and sometimes- Don't end this on a downer. Don't you this dare. Is, no, I'm it's saying, a positive. It's positive. Okay. They're going to say, you never every know. Every day is a gift. Yeah, so you, you wake up every day. You never know if you're going to wake up. So when you wake up, <laughs> you snuck it in there. That's, I think that's <laughs> a positive. Tomorrow? No, it's well, not. It's true because I, I during the break, I was sick. I was pretty darn sick, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong for a while. And I you know, there were many nights where I thought about, you know, what the dying Kobe? would be like. It was not COVID. Uh, the some kind of floating infection thing. Long story short, I started recently feeling better a few days ago, and it, I seriously felt like anything is possible. I'm just so yeah, grateful does. to not be dying of an unknown illness with unknown origin. Yeah, so when you wake up tomorrow, think of beliefful and then be grateful for your life. In that order. <laughs> it's about priority, guys. Well, guys, if you do wake up and you feel ill, don't forget that you can always hop on down to Appalachia, catch a train, make yourself some charms, and feel better. Yeah. Weird flex, sure. but okay. <laughs> All right, guys, we love you and uh, can't wait to see you next time. Come join us in the expansion series. And we have some really fun stuff, guys. You know you want to. We'll see you there. Either way, we'll see you next time on Believe Hole.